you, Sam. Well, we're going to dive in tonight, guys. Let me see your Bibles. I want to see your Bible. Put your Bibles up in the sky. <coughs> Wave them real high. Yeah, whatever. Um, y'all excited uh, for God's Word tonight? Yay! Wow. Thank you, Sid. All right, I'm going to ask you guys again because that was pathetic. Uh, I know it's Tuesday night, so you've only been going this week for three days. Um, so I'm going to give you another opportunity uh, to really uh, be excited. Uh, how many of you guys are excited for God's Word tonight? Yeah. Okay, that was about 90% participation. Uh, we're going to do it one more time. Three, third time's the charm. Uh, the Trinity is three. So we're going to do, we're going to give you guys one more opportunity uh, to make some noise for God's Word. So are you guys excited for God's Word tonight? Yeah. Yeah, there we go. Okay, turn your Bibles with me, if you will, to the book of John. Uh, we are chugging away uh, in the Gospel of John. Our sermon series is I Saw the Light, the Gospel According to John. We have been in John for 24 weeks. This is our 24th week, and we haven't even got to chapter 9 yet. Um, so we are really chugging along. Um, I have just a cool announcement for you guys. Um, so when we took a break from John last, it was in December. And we've been in John for 15 weeks at that point. Since December, uh, after our mini-series we did on giving, uh, we picked back up in John, and we decided that we were going to study John 10 weeks at a time, and then do uh, a break, and then hop back in after four weeks and do uh, the Gospel of John for another 10 weeks. And at that rate, we're going to be in John, guys, for just about two years, which is going to be really cool. Uh, But here's the fun little, uh, I don't know if this is a forecasting or a preview or a teaser trailer, uh, but our next series that we're going to do after John, uh, it's going to just be a four-week series, and it's going to start in just uh, two short weeks. Uh, it's going to be uh, the greatest sermon series ever. Uh, that's not me just like saying it's going to be great. That's actually the title of it, um, and it's, uh, it's, it's going to be really great because you guys are going to hear from someone besides me, uh, and so for four weeks, uh, I'm going to be sitting probably right in this seat, uh, taking a lot of notes, setting an example for you guys. Because we have uh, guest speakers coming in uh, from all over uh, the Portland area. Uh, <laughs> friends of mine who are pastors uh, who are going to just come and share what God has uh, on their hearts. Uh, and they've been praying for the last month uh, about what they're going to be sharing uh, to you guys. And I believe we serve a God uh, who answers prayer. And we serve a God who's real and a God who hears our prayers and a God who uh, speaks to us specifically where we're at. And so these uh, these awesome pastors are going to come, uh, prayed up, studied up, and uh, preach the Word of God to you guys on Tuesday nights. Uh, it's going to be really, really cool. Um, my buddy, uh, Pastor Claude, many of you guys met Pastor Claude when we uh, did a joint service over at Agape. Uh, Claude is in a new uh, new season in his life, serving in some, some new ministry, which is really cool. And he's I just had lunch with him yesterday, and he's really excited to come and to speak to you guys. Another buddy of mine uh, from a church out in Hillsborough, Pastor Jordan, he's coming and uh, he's got a word uh, for you guys from the Lord. It's going to be really cool. And a few other guys are coming. uh, And yeah, I just want you guys to be prepared uh, because these guys are going to bring the word. Am I taking applications for guest speakers? Uh, Not this time around. I've I've already got every date filled. Uh, but if you got someone who you think should speak, talk to me, uh, and, and, and we'll see what happens there. Uh, so with that being said, uh, we're in John, and last week we looked at the tail end of chapter 8, verse 37 through uh, verse 59, uh, and I want to focus on one verse tonight. I want to go over a verse that uh, we looked at last week a little bit, uh, and it's going to be the only verse I preach on, because if you remember, 
Uh, last week, uh, we started um, Doctrine Q&A. That was um, the sermon last week. And I opened it up for question and answer. And I told you guys, uh, bring questions, uh, and God's Word is going to bring answers. And, and so we're going to look at that tonight. But I also told you, because um, I gave you a little hint, that uh, God has been making himself known to all people since the beginning of time. That's what Romans Chapter 1 tells us, and when the question was asked, what about the people who've never heard of Jesus? What happens to them after they die? And I said, well, everybody is without excuse, because that's what God word, uh, God's Word has to say. And then we talked, just briefly, I gave you a little teaser. Even the very stars we look up in the sky and see tell the story of the Gospel. Uh, and then everyone said, what? And so uh, I told you guys we'd open with that. So we're going to open with that. But let me just uh, reiterate this one verse. It's verse 56 of John chapter 8, and it says, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. The father of Israel uh, was longing to see Messiah. Uh, and he saw Messiah. And uh, he rejoiced in that. And we... As followers of Christ, we have in this book, the revelation of Jesus Christ, uh, we too can rejoice and be glad. Amen? Amen. Let's pray, and then we're going to look at some scripture. God, we just thank you so much uh, for who you are, uh, for your word. God, we thank you that your word is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Uh, God, that your word uh, pierces us uh, through the bone and the marrow, uh, and God, it gets down to the soul and the spirit. It reveals us the motives and the intents of our heart. And God, we pray that tonight you would reveal to us uh, what is in our heart. You would reveal to us what is in our mind. God, the questions that we have, God, I pray that your word would give us truth. Uh, your word tells us that it is truth and the truth sets us free. Uh, God, I pray that any questions we have tonight, uh, God, that we would be able to look at your word and your word would answer those questions. God, I pray nothing would be of me, anything that would be of me. God, may it fall on deaf ears or I may not even be able to get it out of my mouth. God, we want your perfect word. We don't want Matt's. Uh, Matt's pretty dumb. But God, you, you are amazing. And we want you. We want more and more of you. So God, we thank you and we praise you in your son's wonderful and beautiful name, Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. So here is the honest truth uh, to you guys tonight. I want to be straight up with you. Uh, I really should have done slides for you guys tonight because there is so much information uh, that we're going to talk about in these next few minutes, um, and I was—I I promise you—I was working on the slides, uh, but we just bought a new uh, program to run slides. PowerPoint is so 1998, uh, and we've moved into the, the the 21st century. And so I just—I was learning it. Uh, how many of you guys like the new slides during worship? Uh, yeah, I mean it's just a little. A little bit. Uh, it's a little bit more fancy, but I was learning the program. I didn't have time to make you guys slides. Um, but just be ready to take notes. Uh, how many of you guys are ready to take notes? Uh, go get your notepad. Hustle like sprint, because uh, we're gonna get started. Because we have so much to cover. Um, I, I, I've said it before. I'm gonna say it again. You get bonus points in heaven uh, if you take notes. Uh, God loves a cheerful note taker. Uh, I'm sure that's in the book of Hesitations, uh, chapter 5, uh, verse 22. Uh, no, that's not even in the Bible. Come on, you guys. Uh, but uh, note taking is awesome. Statistic after statistic tells us how awesome note taking is. Uh, our cognitive uh, calibration uh, and, and, and our, our, our recognitive uh, parts of our brains. I'm making up neuroscience words. I don't even know what I'm talking about. If you take notes, you remember things a lot better. Uh, and these things are key 
because people are going to ask you questions. And the question that was asked last week that we're really going to address with this first little bit tonight, and then we're going to open the floor to you guys, uh, was this. What about the people who have never heard of Jesus? What happens to them when they die? What about the good people? The Bible says we're without excuse. How has God been revealing himself through creation? Well, the list goes on, uh, and it's a very, very long list about how God's been revealing himself through his creation. I mean, you, you just look at the very universe we live in. Uh, it's a space-matter-time continuum. Uh, you can't have space without matter. You can't have matter without time, and you can't have time without space. Uh, it is three distinct parts that make it up, and you can't have one without the other. I mean, that's God's divine nature. It's his Godhead, uh, three in one, Holy Spirit, Jesus, and the Father. Uh, so, I mean, we could just expound on that for, for hours and hours and hours. But we're not going to. Um, we're going to look at something, uh, a very uh, obscure portion of Scripture. Uh, we're going to look at a word that's only used once in the entire Bible. Um, but I just want to draw your attention. Write this down. Turn there in your Bibles, whatever you want to do. Uh, Romans 1.20. It says this. Since the beginning of time, God's invisible attributes have been made seen, His power and His divine nature, so that no man is without excuse. The, the, the writer of the Psalms, um, in Psalm chapter 147, verse 4, says this. I want you to write that down. Psalms 147, verse 4. The reason why I want you to write these down is because I want you to go look at them yourself. Uh, don't just take what I have to say as truth. If ever you listen to myself or any other pastor, and you're like, you know what, that sounds good. Uh, let's just roll with that. And you don't check it. Um, then you're not getting it. Well, if it's something that you're not getting, it, 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 it's just not a good practice to just take what you hear and take it as truth. Uh, you always go back and look at God's Word and see what God's Word has to say. So I'm not making this stuff up, but just so you can double check to make sure I'm not making it up, uh, write it down and go look at God's Word. Uh, Psalm 147, verse 4 says this, He has determined the number of the stars and knows each of them by name. So the stars we see, uh, God has determined the number. There's a specific number, and God knows exactly what that number is. And uh, He's named every single star. And I think that's crazy to think about because uh, this last Saturday night we had a bonfire. And the sky was perfectly like clear, not a cloud in there. And you look up and you just look at all the stars and you're like, holy guacamole, there's so many stars. I downloaded an app from Google on my phone called SkyMap and it uses GPS positioning. And you like look up at the sky with your phone and it tells you what stars are around. It's super cool. You can see Venus and Mars and Jupiter uh, with the naked eye. It was super cool. And then I was like, well, I wonder how many stars there are. And uh, we know, or scientists suppose, that in the Milky Way galaxy, there's about 100 billion stars. That's a lot of zeros. And that we can see with telescopes and with Hubble and stuff, another 300 billion galaxies like ours. So if you do the math, we're talking about 100 billion times 300 billion. And uh, I mean, we're talking numbers that even humans can't compute. Uh, and God knows every single one of those stars, and he knows each one of their names. And that's crazy. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, it just goes on and on, like Buzz Lightyear to infinity and beyond. Uh, this is what it says in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 26. It says this, Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these, these being the stars, he who brings out their hosts by number and calling them by name, by the greatness that is his. That is Isaiah chapter 40, verse 26. Um, the Holy Spirit speaking to the prophet Isaiah says, Look up to the sky, see all the stars, and who is it who put these there? 
It's him who knows them all by number and by name. And we're going to just be talking, I mean, there's a lot of verses that we're going to just throw out here uh, that, that, that talk about this. Job chapter 38, verses 31 through 33 says this, and you're going to hear some uh, constellation names here. This is in the Bible. It says, uh, this is God asking Job, uh, when he's saying, Job, uh, you're not as big as you think you are. I'm a lot bigger. I'm God. He says this. He says, can you bind Pleiades? Or loose the belt of Orion? Can you bring out the Maseroth in its seasons? Or, gra- or guide the great bear and its cubs? Do you know the ordinances of the heaven? And can you set their dominion over earth? In essence, what God does here, he, he, he tells Job, uh, I'm in control of everything. I'm in control of the stars. He says, can you bind Pleiades, which is a constellation? He says, can you loose Orion's belt? You ever look up in the night sky and just seen those three stars that are in a perfect line? It's Orion's belt. It's, it's, it's something that's been known for a very, very long time. He says, can you guide the bear and its cubs? We're talking about uh, I mean, the Big Dipper and, and, and all these other constellations. It's crazy. And, and he uses this one word, uh, the Maseroth. Okay, Bo's got his hand up. It's just a follow-up. Um, there's a really good song by a band called Bearship called Where Were You? Ah. Yes. Yeah, look at Spotify it, uh, Google Play it, iTunes it, great, go ships, uh, where were you? Um, but they, they, this, this word is used there, it's Maseroth, and it's only used once in all of Scripture. Um, and, and God asked Job, he said, can you bring out the Maseroth in its seasons? Well, this is where things are going to get intense, okay? Uh, because God has been painting a picture Ever since the creation of time, that's what Romans chapter 1, verse 20 tells us. God's been painting this picture so that all men are without excuse. When we look at the word Maseroth uh, in the Hebrew, uh, it has an unknown meaning. Uh, but later Jewish scholars, we're talking uh, after captivity, but before Jesus, they translated um, this word, um, Maseroth, into the word uh, that we get today uh, called Zodiac. Uh, it's, it's the Hebrew phrase describing uh, the stars of the night sky. Uh, the phrase zodiac uh, comes from the Greek word sodi, S-O-D-I, uh, which is translated the way. Okay? I want us to remember this. Uh, it's, it, it's translated the way. Uh, the night sky, and, and this is the bold statement of the night, the night sky paints a picture of the gospel for all people of all generations, of all people groups to see what Christ is going to do so that all people are without excuse. Now, here's the big disclaimer. Ready for the disclaimer? Okay. The disclaimer is this. The sermon in no way uh, endorses occultic practices uh, of zodiac and astrology and, like, what am I? Like, uh, there's none of that, okay? Uh, the, the, the zodiac in the way that we see things today with fortune-telling, occultic practices, and astrology, that all came uh, way later in history uh, than what we're going to be talking about now. I mean, that came around uh, like in like 1000 AD and later. Okay, what we're going to be looking at uh, is the actual story uh, that has been painted in the stars since the beginning of creation. Okay, so that's a disclaimer. So lest any of you guys go, Pastor Matt was talking about astrology and he endorsed it. No, not at all. Okay, I want you to get that in your mind. We're not endorsing astrology in any way. Okay, in any way. Because this is a really touchy Thing we're going to be talking. I'm going to use the phrase zodiac, but I'm not referring to astrology. I'm referring to Maseroth, which is there in the book of Job. Does everyone get that? 
Okay, everyone's tracking. Okay, so now let's go on. Uh, we see in Psalms 147, verse 4, and in Isaiah 40, verse 26, uh, that the night sky was named by God. Wait, 147? Uh, 147, verse 4 of Psalms, and 40, uh, verse 26 of Isaiah. Okay, we see that the night sky is named by God, not by Greek or Romans. Okay, uh, we, we, we get these names like Orion and Pleiades and those things. Those are Greek names, but they're just Greek translations of previous Hebrew names, okay? Uh, God named the stars and put them all in place. Uh, men, both pre-flood and after, uh, the patriarchs and the heroes of the Bible, saw and interpreted the skies uh, in the way that I'm about to tell you guys, uh, because the stars paint the picture of the coming Messiah, okay? Um, how many of you guys are ready just to, like, get your like, mind completely warped? Okay. Right now. Uh, good. Okay. Because when I when I study God's word, um, the reason why I believe uh, in Christianity, the reason why I believe uh, there is a God, is because every time I read God's word, uh, God by the Holy Spirit points something new out. Uh, his word's crazy, uh, and we're crazy for believing it, and we're even told that uh, in God's word that we're crazy. Uh, but that's good because His word is so legitimately huge, expansive, and we can study it for the rest of our lives and not even just touch the surface of all the truth that's buried in there. And uh, we're told that it is to the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it's to the glory of kings to search that matter out. We're told in First Peter that we are kings, and we are to search out the matter uh, that is buried in God's word, uh, and, and it reveals truth to us at so many levels. Uh, so, Let's just continue on, um, because I think there's some really, really cool things. Uh, we see throughout the history of humanity and the history of religion, religion after religion after religion, that believes in a God, or gods, um, who, for some random reason, uh, a God was born of a virgin, uh, and that God would die on a cross, some crucifix type thing. Uh, not, that's not something... Uh, that is uh, specifically to Christianity. Uh, we see it in Egyptian uh, religion. We see it in Hindu religion. We see it in Aztec religion. We see it in every religion of every culture across the world. The question that is asked is, well, isn't Christianity just copying some previous uh, religion? Here's the thing. No. Uh, Christianity is fulfilling what every religion is seeing in the stars. And I'm going to just tell you guys where religions are getting uh, what they have uh, as their theology uh, and, and how it comes from the stars. Uh, this does not make every religion true, but it shows how Satan has tried to pervert truth. Uh, but it also shows that all man is without excuse. Romans chapter 1, verse 20, that Jesus is the only way. That's what it says in John chapter 14, verse 6. Here's where I should have made slides for you. Okay, The Maseroth is made up of 12 stars. It's the 12 constellations of stars that are in the zodiac, uh, and it shows up on the Earth's ecliptic uh, around the sun. Each star has three uh, smaller constellations that make up the bigger constellation, and these little stars are called deacons, uh, and these smaller constellations show up on the horizon with that primary constellation. Uh, it is these 36 groupings of stars uh, in which the gospel has been painted in the skies uh, of creation. Uh, and so... Um, since 
the creation of time from Earth's vantage point, looking over the balcony of heaven, uh, from Adam to Noah to Moses, Abraham, all the way down to you and I sitting here today, uh, we have been seeing this painted in the skies. And I'm, I'm building up, like, I've said that a lot, and I haven't given you any information yet, because I really want to, like, build you up, be on the front of your seat, because this is crazy. Yes? Yeah, absolutely. Like, start from the beginning again? Just the, no. the, the Maseroth <laughs> part made of a tunnel. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so and, and I'm going to, like, expound on this in just a second. But the Maseroth is made up of the 12 constellations that are in what we have as the Zodiac today. Each one of those uh, 12 constellations has three smaller constellations that show up in the night sky with it. Uh, those are called deacons, not deacons like deacons in the church, but deacons is an Egyptian word. Um, and so these 36 constellations make up uh, this story that's painted in the skies. How many of you guys have ever heard of the constellation or the, uh, my zodiac symbol is uh, Virgo? Anyone ever heard of Virgo before? All right. Have any of you ever heard of Leo before? I'm a Leo. Okay, you're a Leo. There we go. That's awesome. Um, so we're going to start with Virgo, and we're going to end with Leo. So here's the thing. Uh, Psalms 19, verses 1 uh, through 4, show us God's plan. Uh, you guys can look that up on your own time. We don't have time to cover it tonight. But Psalm 19, verses 1 through 4. Uh, correct. Um, the names of these constellations... Uh, are the same in almost every single culture, uh, and they have been that way dating back uh, to more than a thousand years. Okay, um, here's the crazy thing about this: um, this term zodiac, uh, or the idea of a zodiac, is in every single culture across humanity. Um, that's a statistical impossibility. That all these people groups of all these different hemispheres and cultures uh, would name the stars the exact same way. It points to the fact that God named them. Uh, but we're going to get to that in just a minute. Zodiac, I told you, comes from the Greek word sodi, S-O-D-I, which means the way. And to travelers in the ancient time, they called it the way because it told them how to get specific places. It was a geographical a map. Uh, but in all reality, God never intended the zodiac or these constellations in the night sky to be a geographical map. Rather, God put them there to be a theological map to point people to his son, Jesus Christ. I'm going to break this down in just a second. So to the, to the uh, doubter, to the skeptic, they say, well, why would you start with Virgo? Because when you look at actually the way the months go, Virgo is not the first one. And why would you end with Leo? Uh, that doesn't, like, why would you start there and end there? Uh, and I would make the argument that the reason why we start with Virgo and end with Leo is because that's the way culture and humanity has been viewing it uh, for thousands of years. How do I know this? I look at the Sphinx. Why the Sphinx? Head of a woman, body of a lion. Okay? Head of a woman, that Virgo, Latin for virgin, uh, and that Leo, the lion, uh, that we see there in the Sphinx. The word Sphinx actually means bringing together or binding together, starting and ending. They're bookends. Uh, the head of a woman is a bookend, and the lion, the body of the lion, is a bookend. Um, and so 
even ancient cultures, sculptures, uh, tell us. Start with Virgo and with Leo. And here's the ridiculous statement of the night. It would be ridiculous to think that all these different cultures came up with this uh, independently of one another. Uh, it's a statistical impossibility. So we start with Virgo. Virgo uh, literally means the virgin. So that's, that's the first zodiac symbol. Remember I said each one of them comes with three deacons, right? Okay, the three lesser uh, constellations that go with Virgo are Coma, Centaurus, and Booties. I can laugh. I saw Aaron laughing. Booties, okay? Uh, coma, uh, coma translated means the infant or the desired one. Centaurus means the dart piercing a victim. Booties means the great shepherd and harvester. The next zodiac symbol that shows up in the night sky is Libra, uh, the scales, okay? Uh, and its three deacons are Crux, Lupus, and Corona, okay? Which is Latin for the crown. Uh, the next one that shows up in the night sky is Scorpio, and Scorpio's uh, uh, three deacons are Serapins, uh, Othenchilis, I'm going to just totally mess up that Greek name, and Hercules. Anyone heard of Hercules before? Awesome. I'm going to think of the translation. Yes, yes, Scorpio is Scorpion in the Latin, just so you all know. Um, the next one that shows up in the night sky is Sagittarius. Got any Sagittarius in the room? All right, no, never mind. Um, and Sagittarius has three deacons, Lyra, Aura, and Draco. Lyra means eagle, Aura means altar, Draco means the dragon or the serpent of old. The next one that shows up in the night sky... Uh, what's that? Sagittarius? Yeah. Uh, it, it's like a centaurus type thing. Uh, it doesn't actually have uh, a legit meaning that's going to uh, be important to us tonight. The next one is Capricornus, uh, and it has uh, three deacons, uh, Sagitta, Aquila, and Delphinus, which is the dolphin, which is kind of cool. Uh, the next one that shows up in the night sky is Aquarius, and it has uh, Picus Australius, it has Pegasus, and it has Cygenus. Okay, the next one that shows up in the next uh, season in the sky is Pisces, and it has uh, Andromeda, uh, Cepheus, uh, and the Bend. Great name for a group of stars. The next one that shows up in the night sky is Aries. It has Cassiopeia, uh, Cetus, and Perseus. The next one that shows up in the night sky is Taurus, uh, which is not a Ford, it's a constellation. Uh, and it has Orion, it has Uranus, and it has uh, Algrina. The next one is Gemini, and its uh, three deacons are Lepus, Canis Major, and Canis Minor. Then we have Cancer, and Cancer has Ursa Minor, Ursa Major, and Argo. And lastly, we end with Leo, the twelfth, and it has Hydra, uh, it has uh, Crater, and it has Corvus. So super cool. And I just told you a bunch of stuff about stars. Nothing, nothing too uh, profound there. Okay. Did anyone just be like, "Wow, that was amazing"? Okay. I thought it was amazing. Okay, that's awesome. You probably just thought that I pronounced these terribly. It was amazing. Uh, here, here's where it's gonna get crazy. Here's where it's gonna get crazy. Uh, uh, these pictures don't actually paint anything specifically. Uh, until we look at how they align themselves in the night sky. Um, 
they name stars, and they've been naming stars since the earliest astronomers. They've been naming stars by stars uh, that are the brightest. And uh, when it comes to naming the stars that are brightest, they see the main constellation. So we started with Virgo, and then from Virgo, what they do is they name, uh, and, and, and the way you read the stars uh, is by the brightest star in each constellation. Okay. Uh, so with Virgo, uh, the brightest star uh, that is in Virgo uh, is Alpha. Okay, uh, Alpha in the Greek, um, but Alpha in uh, the Hebrew is the word semek. Everyone say semek. Okay, it's T S E M E C H. Semek. Okay, semek um, literally means branch or seed. In the Hebrew language, there are twenty different words that mean branch or seed. But here's the crazy thing, semek is only used for one specific thing uh, in the Bible. Uh, the word semic, branch, or seed, is that word seed when God promises uh, that Abraham's seed will be the blessing to the earth. That's that word semic. Uh, semic is also a word that is used for Messiah. So here's the crazy thing. Virgo, a.k.a. the virgin, the virgin's brightest star is semic or uh, Messiah. We also see that Virgo, in all the ancient uh, paintings of the Virgin, she has uh, an ear of corn uh, with her, and, that, and we get that a lot here in North America. Uh, and this is actually referenced uh, in John chapter 12, verse 21 through 24, uh, where Jesus talks about how uh, the seed of the woman uh, will never die. Uh, and he's referring to himself. Uh, and those who put their faith in him, uh, this semic being Jesus. The next uh, grouping of stars, uh, and, and the next one in the zodiac is Libra. Uh, Libra's brightest star uh, is Al-Zubina, um, and Al-Zubina, translated from the Arabic, literally means purchased or redeemed. Uh, the Coptic word here uh, is station of propitiation. No, not of appreciation, station of propitiation, uh, which is uh, propitiation uh, when we have been redeemed. It is the price that we have been uh, redeemed with. Uh, the next star in Libra would be Zuman al-Jabini, uh, which is another Arabic name. You're going to hear a lot of Arabic names when you see stars because some of the greatest astronomers of the ancient world were Arabic. Okay? Uh, this is not a Muslim thing. This is an mm -hmm. Arabic thing. So uh, don't get caught up there. And it means uh, price deficient. Uh, then there's Zubin al-Tamali, which means price which covers. Zubin al-Akrab, which means price of conflict. Uh, and it breaks down that then the very next one in Libra is the crux, which crux is literally Latin for cross or crucifix. Uh, and, and so we're going to start seeing some things. Uh, the next one that comes after Zubin al-Akrab is Zubin al-Sadah, which in Hebrew literally means lamb that was slain. Okay, uh, now we're starting to be like, wow, that sounds familiar. I've heard that in the Bible somewhere. We're going to continue breaking down that the very next star in this uh, Libra constellation is Corona, which means crown, for anyone who spoke Spanish before. Uh, it is the Hebrew word Atara. We see Scorpio. Uh, Scorpio has, has these two deacons, uh, Ophenshus, uh, which is a Greek uh, hero or warrior fighting serapins. 
And if you actually, I wish I had a picture to show you, but, but I want you just to Google Seraphim, okay? Uh, and the image will be of a mighty warrior wrestling a snake. But here's the crazy thing about the mighty warrior wrestling the snake, uh, is that in the, all the ancient paintings, these are non-Christian paintings, uh, the snake is biting the warrior's heel, but at the same time the warrior is crushing the snake's head with his foot. Uh, you can see that in the book of Genesis, in Genesis um, chapter 3, verse 15, when God says of the seed of the woman, uh, do battle with the, the snake, the snake will uh, bruise his heel, but he will crush his head. Okay? Uh, this is in Genesis, the very beginning of time, and we see in the stars the way non-Christians, the way non-Jewish people paint this picture is of a man wrestling a snake. Okay? Aztecs, they're Zodiac has a man wrestling a snake. Um, that's crazy, and we're going to see how crazy it gets in just a second, that a culture that has never even experienced or heard of Judaism or, or Christianity has this very same um, concept in their idea of the Zodiac. And I'm going to make an argument right now uh, that the reason why all cultures around the world and their Zodiac have all these same images is this. Adam walked with God, and God told Adam all this knowledge. Okay? And I believe that God told Adam, look at the stars, okay? and look at the story that they tell. And, and I'm sure God said, hey, yeah, this is the name, this is the name, this is the name. And so then Adam, I, I just get this picture in my mind of Adam going up on a mountain, sitting down with his son, and saying, Seth, look, this is the story that's in the sky. And Seth to his son and to his son. And then you see Noah on, on like the top deck of the ark with his three sons painting the picture out to them. It gets down to Abraham, and Abraham says, Isaac, look at what's in the stars. And Isaac says to Jacob, look what's in the stars. And it's kind of like this rite of passage. Like, I know with me when I was younger, my dad would take me outside and he'd point up to the stars. He says, look, that's the Big Dipper. Uh, that's the Little Dipper. That's the North Star. If you ever get lost, just follow that. Uh, Braddon was a was a Boy Scout. They teach you to look at stars and to land navigation by the stars. And uh, I mean that's kind of like a rite of passage for young men. I don't know if girls would look at stars with their dads, but we did as guys. Uh, and I believe that that's been going on since the very beginning of time. And so there's a reason why the descendants of such and such and such and such who end up in Central America have the same story because. Since the beginning of time, it's been being told. It's been being painted in the skies. Then we get to the very end. Leo the lion, its greatest uh, star uh, talks. Uh, it's, it's the word Alpha Regellus, uh, which literally means one who comes to judge or to judge and rule. Okay, Crazy. I'm just giving you a little brief thing. What I'm going to do now is I'm going to read to you, starting with the Zodiac, Star constellation, what it means, and then all its beacons, and what they mean. And I'm going to put them in specific order of brightness. I'm going to read it to you, and I want you to pay very close attention to what they say. Okay, you ready for this? One who comes to judge. Okay? I'm going to go really slow. and uh, But I do want to leave time for question and answers, so I'm going to go... Not super slow. If you want, if if you want to come uh, afterwards and look at my notes, you can just copy my notes. Okay, I'm not going to go super fast, but good, 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 good. So the very first one we all said was Virgo, which is the Virgin. Okay, and when you look at the names of its deacons, 
it, it, it speaks of the seed of the woman, the desire of nations, a man of double nature in humiliation, exalted shepherd and harvester. Interesting. Libra, a price to be prayed, cross, victim and lamb slain, a crown purchased. Okay, this is all the names being translated. Scorpio, the conflict, the serpent coils, the struggle with the enemy, the vanquishing of evil. Interesting. Sagittarius, uh, the double-natured man triumphs, gladdens the heavens, and casts down the dragon, or the draco, the dragon. Um, Capricornus, life springs forth out of death and springing up again. Has to do with that uh, Aquarius and and leading into this this this, this, this spring uh, up, uh, which leads to Aquarius, which means Aquarius means life water. Okay, uh, drink of heaven, uh, good news carried, um, and then uh, the, the the way the stars align themselves in the sky, we see Aquarius's deacon uh, kind of shares the night sky with Libra's crux. And, and what they've been saying since, as, as ancient as we can go back, the name of that deacon is the one bearing the crux over the earth. Okay. Then we look at Pisces, and Pisces deacons mean the redeemer of the people, the bride of the beloved, and the bridegroom exalted. Aries means the lamb found worthy, uh, the bride released to make ready. Uh, Taurus means all-ruling shepherd. Gemini, the prince is coming. Uh, Cancer, secure possessions. Um, two folds being made one. And that, that deacon actually has two lesser stars. One being the lesser, uh, which we would look at and say, well, when you look at uh, God's people, uh, the lesser being the church, the greater being Israel, coming together for an everlasting kingdom. And Leo is the lion or the king. Uh, the serpent flees and the bowls of wrath are poured out upon him. Uh, this is not a Christian theologian going and looking at the names and saying, well, this could mean that, this could mean that. Uh, this is legitimately what these names mean in every single culture. Uh, there's a reason why Aztec religion have their god uh, becoming man, born of a virgin, dying on a cross. Um, because it's painted for them in the sky. Uh, and Jesus, or, or, or God the Father, has been saying that I am making myself known uh, so that all man is without excuse. So does that mean to the Aztecs who believe in this God becoming man dying on a cross? Uh, does that mean they're saved if they put their faith in this? Uh, no, because as we see, and as we look at the Zodiac today, the enemy works his way into all of this and, and perverts it, Okay. Uh, and when we look at every other religion in the world besides Christianity, uh, this has been perverted, and there's, there's there's a lot of stuff that has been added to it. But when you look at this, the base skeleton of what the Maseroth or the Zodiac actually is, is it's a story of Christ coming, the seed of the woman, the desire of the nations. Desire of a nation it is something used uh, to uh, in, in reference of that Semic, of that Shiloh, of that Mashiach, Messiah who is to come. Uh, a man of double nature. Jesus, 100% man, 
100% God. He, he, he's a dual-natured uh, person, uh, the exalted shepherd. Uh, Jesus is our shepherd. Uh, when you look at Libra, the price that's to be paid, uh, a victim, the lamb slain on a cross, a crown being purchased. You look at the struggle that takes place during Scorpio, and in Sagittarius, you see how the double-natured man triumphs and makes the heavens glad. He casts down the dragon or the serpent of old. And you just continue on to see how there's living water and all these things. And it comes down to that in the end, Leo, the lion, wins. Jesus is referred to as the lion of the tribe of Judah. Uh, so there's this story that's painted in the sky. And I believe that since the beginning of time, uh, that, that man has looked up and has seen that and has said, the God that put that into place, that's who I'm putting my faith in. Uh, and, and so uh, there's a reason why we have people in the Old Testament uh, who were not Jews, who were prophets of the one true God. Okay? Didn't grow up with Abrahamic faith, but were prophets of the one true God because they saw in the stars, and, and there was a conscious decision in their life, I'm not going to live for these pagan idols. I'm not going to live uh, for this uh, sexual immorality. I'm going to live for uh, one God. I'm going to live uh, for what he has. And that's why Romans chapter 2 goes on to tell us that to those who lived by the law without the law, they became unto themselves a law, and they will be judged by that through Jesus Christ. So do I have the answer of what happens to those who never heard the name of Jesus? Uh, I don't have the answer. Uh, I'd like to think God does. Uh, would you all agree with me that God probably has the answer? Yeah, amen. Yeah. Uh, but when I look at this, it, it, it's just another convincing argument. Maybe it only convinces me. Um, but uh, I think it's enough uh, to paint the picture that God's greatest achievement uh, is not his creation. Uh, God's greatest achievement is his redemption and his redemptive process and his redemptive story that has been told through his uh, creation. Uh, and, and we're told throughout Scripture that the heavens declare God's glory. The heavens declare God's glory. Uh, that word heavens there in the Hebrew refers to space, refers to stars, the heavenly host, seeing the stars. And it says the very stars proclaim his glory. And so when I put all these pieces together, it's hard for me to argue against the fact, that, well, no, that's just coincidence. That's just coincidence. I don't believe in coincidence. I don't think God believes in coincidence. And I think to the one person, maybe it was only ever one person, uh, that, that God revealed himself through that. Uh, I, I believe we're rejoicing with that person in heaven. Uh, to me, this didn't save me. Okay? Uh, but it definitely reinforced what I believe, and it reinforces the truth that's in God's word. One word, only used once in scripture, paints this entire picture and unlocks this entire lost part of our faith that we didn't even know. That when we wake up and we look at the stars in the night sky, they're telling the story of Christ. So I just want to hope that encourages you. I mean, was that how many of you guys have a sport like that on the top of your head? That okay, was, to be honest. Amazing. Okay, praise God. Did, did, did anyone like learn something tonight? Okay, wow. awesome. It, if you're like, wow, that was a lot of information, uh, it is, and I didn't do a very good job at disseminating it to you. Uh, so I would love to point you in the right direction uh, to, to, to do some more study on your own. Just as I said, don't just take my word for it. Okay. Uh, there's there's a lot of good research that's been put into this. So, with that being said, uh, last week we, we had about 25 minutes to 30 minutes uh, for you guys uh, to ask questions. But last week we said, uh, come with questions uh, that maybe you've heard asked to you about your faith or um, uh, you think might get asked of you. 
uh, and you want to be prepared uh, from God's word to give a defense for the hope that you have, the faith that you have. And what we were looking at last week was um, all these religions, because we were looking at the Pharisees, how they were living this religion of Abraham, uh, yet they had forgot Jesus uh, as Messiah. And, and we looked at religions that don't view Jesus the same way we view Jesus. We looked at Islam, we looked at Jehovah's Witnesses, we looked at Mormons. Uh, and and if we can continue to look at them, uh, or we can uh, go down other roads of apologetics. Um, so I want to open up to you guys. Like I said last week, we record every week. So if you hear something and you didn't get a chance to write it down, let me know, because we'll give you the recording of it. Um, and I'm going to, when you ask a question, <coughs> I'm going to not be awkwardly repeating the question. I'm going to repeat it so we can hear it on the recording uh, so that people who aren't here can know what the questions are. So, with that being said, uh, who wants to break the ice and ask the first question? Sydney, raise your hand super fast. Sydney, what is the question? How was it decided that um, the constellation could be um, in order from brightest to least? Good call. Good call. Uh, so the question was, uh, who decided that uh, constellations would be ordered uh, from brightest to least brightest? Um, and I'm not going to try and make up an answer for you. Um, I, I don't know the exact answer. Uh, but what I would know is that uh, as far as we can trace back in Arabic astronomy, um, that's how they did it. Uh, that's how the Greeks did it. Uh, that's how Jewish astronomers did it and Persian astronomers did it. Where it actually originated from, uh, my guess would be God telling Adam, uh, but but for me to like nail down, this is where it started. Uh, Egypt, uh, early Palestine, I don't know exactly, but uh, they've been doing it that way throughout history, uh, and that's how like NASA does it today. So uh, it's not just some like random like it. Oh, it makes sense to do this if I'm a Christian. Uh, no, like 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 this is how everyone who looks at like uh, in, in maps and charts does. That's how they Good question. Let's go, Sarah, then next. I know the Wiseman followed one six six star, but yep. do you think they studied this story as well? Absolutely. Uh, and that's why I believe uh, when, the, uh, when, when the Wiseman were coming, first because they'd been foretold uh, throughout Scripture, they studied the Scripture. The Wiseman uh, were magi. We like to think, well, there were three kings, but we don't actually know how many there were. Uh, and that word magi actually comes from the Persian word magistrate, uh, which the magistrates of Persia actually were just the, um, uh, they took over the Chaldean school uh, that was in Babylon, uh, when Persia took over Babylon, and the Babylonian magistrates uh, were actually tutored and instructed by a guy by the name of Daniel, uh, who happened to show in a lion's den. Uh, and Daniel um, brought with him, because all the possessions of the temple were brought uh, to Babylon, uh, Daniel taught the magistrates the things which are in Hebrew scripture, so that when these magi, all these years later, who were following the lineage and the teaching of Daniel, uh, when they saw the star, they knew Shiloh was supposed to come. And so, yeah, I, they were astronomers. They studied the stars. And so I believe they knew, okay, this is going to come to fruition. I see in the book of Isaiah that he's going to be born of a virgin. I see that in the stars. There's this new star that appeared. We think that's his star. We're going. And it probably took them a few years to get there. And so, um, yeah, they were just looking at the story over and over again. So, yeah, I believe 100% uh, because of their role, they would have had to have known this story. Good question. 
Oh, well, you're only going to ask one now, and then you can ask the other one later, okay? Okay. Okay. Um, She's wise here, my friend. Yeah, well, so in Arabic and Okay, so the question is, when Adam and Eve were in the garden, and Eve ate of the apple, you, I think the apple had a toxin in it. Uh, I'm going to give you a double-loaded answer, okay? Uh, we don't have anywhere in Scripture that it was an apple. So that's just, that comes from Renaissance paintings and stuff. It wasn't actually an apple. Yeah, mind-blown, boom. It wasn't actually an apple. It sounds great. It sounds great for songs and looks great for paintings. Um, if, you, if, if you saw the movie uh, Noah, uh, it was like a pomegranate. Uh, we actually don't know what kind of fruit it was. Uh, it really doesn't matter what kind of fruit it was. Uh, and then I want to give you the answer. Did it have a toxin in it? And I'm going to say yes. Uh, did it have a uh, physical toxin? No. Did it have a spiritual toxin? Yes. And that toxin was uh, sin. Uh, it is through what they did uh, that sin entered the world. And uh, okay. sin is a toxin uh, that intoxicates every single man. We are born with that toxin, and that, so- and that toxin being sin is so it's deadly, we're actually born dead. It's, it's a toxin that can only be reversed by the blood of Jesus. Through a blood transfusion, our blood is uh, infused with this toxin, and we need new blood, so the blood of Jesus uh, is, is, is what covers us. I don't know all the medical terms, but they put it in the capillary. I, I don't, I'm not even going to go there. Okay, I'm not going to try and sound smart. But yes, there was a toxin, and that toxin was sin. A lot of people say, well, God lied because God said that in the day you eat it, you will surely die. Well, Adam didn't die that day. So God's a liar. Is what lots of people who, who want to criticize the Bible have to say. Well, here's the thing. We're told in Peter that one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. And in God's perspective, Adam died within the first thousand years of humanity. He died at the age of 969 years old. So, and so, at 63. Yeah, 63. Please blow up the other one. Uh, Adam died at 963. He died in the day he ate the fruit from God's perspective. So, move. Boom. Mind blown. Okay. So, that's good. Um, that was your first question. I'm going to give someone else the opportunity to ask you a question, but then we can jump right I back in. I got another question after that. You got another one after that. Okay. Good. good. <laughs> Who has a question before Ben gets to unload some more questions? Another question. Sam. Okay, so I something that some, I was playing basketball with somebody, and uh, it seemed like it was going really, really well. And then she's like, well, you know, now I don't know, because if you have Jesus, you don't have the devil. Okay. And I was like, okay, so how do I, what, what would I say? Because I see this person all the time. Yeah. But I just don't know how to answer him in a way, I don't know, I just don't know. Yeah, okay. Um, so, so so the question is, how do I approach someone who says, well, maybe I didn't believe in anything before, but now if I have to accept that there's a Jesus, I also have to accept that there's a devil. Yeah. Um, how to respond to that? Um, there is a devil. Uh, and... Um, Right, right, right. Um, I mean, because if you put your faith in Jesus, the devil has... So, I, I, I guess what I'm trying to wrap my mind around is what is their context for... Do you not know? No, okay, no, okay, I, okay. I think he was brave. Because he's, he's um, homeless, and so I don't think okay. he's homeless anymore, persecution or anything. Gotcha. Or trouble or anything. Okay, okay, okay. So, so it's easy just to accept there's nothing, 
because he doesn't want to uh, face the oppression, maybe, yeah. of demonic forces. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so, so what I would say to that person, uh, unequivocally, is uh, that, yes, uh, if you accept the reality of Jesus, then you have to accept the reality of, of Satan. If you accept the reality of heaven, you have to accept the reality of hell. It's just you can't have one without the other. That's just how it is. Uh, but if you put your faith in Jesus, uh, we're told scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture, that uh, like 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 we are, uh, His blood covers us, and when Jesus, we're told in the book of Jude, uh, when uh, Jesus goes down after He dies upon the cross, uh, Ephesians tells us He that first uh, uh, He that ascended first descended. So Jesus went down to hell. It's not because He went to hell because He was a bad person. No, He went down to hell, and we're told in the book of Jude that He. Uh, while in heaven preaches to the demonic forces and says, you have no, you have no uh, authority over anyone who claims my name. So Jesus down in hell saying, uh, you have no authority over anyone who claims my name. Uh, so with that being said, no Christian can be, or no person who puts their faith in Jesus, we're not even going to use that Christian term. We're going to say anyone who puts their faith in Jesus um, they cannot be uh, possessed by demonic power. Uh, it, you cannot serve two masters. Uh, God cannot occupy the same space as evil. That's why we have such a problem with sin, because God can't occupy the same space as sin. He's trying to push the sin out, and we don't like it when he tries to push the sin out. So to that person, what I would say, if you're afraid of the devil, um, yeah, the devil's actually a really scary thing. Uh, and, 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 and people are like, yeah, well, in Sunday school, we like devils under my feet, like squish the little devil, you know. Okay, here's, here's the thing that I would tell that person. Be careful what you say about the devils uh, because uh, we're told in Scripture that Michael, the archangel, the strongest angel there is, you know, wouldn't even cast a reviling word against the devils. Uh, but we're told, resist the devil and he will flee. the name of Jesus. Uh, and so we don't say, well, the devil's an idiot, you know, like, let's fight the devil. You know, no, no, no. Like, we don't cast the words against him. We just say, rebuke the name of Jesus. But to that person, I would say, uh, you don't have to fear the devil because of Jesus. Because, yeah, you believe in Jesus, but now you believe also in the devil. Um, but the devil has no power over you if you put your faith in Jesus. So it's like uh, Jesus is the nightlight. In the dark, so the boogeyman can't get you. I mean, that's I mean, that's as as plain as it is. Kids are scared of the boogeyman in the bed. You give them a nightlight, they sleep perfect. Jesus is our nightlight, but also he's not only a nightlight; he's just our all-around light. The uh, I mean, we're we're told he's like lightsaber. No, we're told that he is the light, and he's the light to the world. And so uh, there's no demon possession or or that. No, yeah, he'll probably still be oppressed. Uh, as we all are. Um, and uh, there's different levels of what that looks like. Uh, but we're told in Scripture that if we follow Jesus, we're going to face persecution. We're going to face trial um, and, and, and tribulation. These are not tribulations that come from God. Uh, in most cases, they're not even trials and tribulations that come from the devil. They're just trials and tribulations that come from humanity falling to sin. Uh, and, and so what I would encourage this person would be your faith in Jesus because he casts out all fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. We're told that in Scripture. And Jesus is the embodiment of perfect love. And we're also told that God doesn't give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of love, of power, and of a sound mind. 
So putting your faith in Jesus casts out all fear and replaces that fear with love, with power, and soundness of mind. So all things you know, uh, but, but how, how do we articulate that in a way that doesn't scare someone off? Um, I would say definitely pray up. Uh, and, and be in prayer, and, and, and I believe the Holy Spirit will lead you to say the right thing. Uh, but I also believe the Holy Spirit will be sharing this man's heart to hear what he has to say. Another question, Ryan. Okay, so I was talking to this social worker, and he had basically three questions on the spirit was well, you only get to ask one right yeah. now, though, because remember what I told Ben. He, he yeah, had three also. Okay. So, <laughs> so he, he, he has three main reasons why he, didn't, why he says not really that he doesn't believe in God, why he wouldn't want to follow God if he did exist. Gotcha. And his, his question was, is, uh, why would he want to follow God who changes who you are? Because he had a friend who was basically like a twin. They're inseparable. And then he became Christian, and he moved with Pope from the Bible College. And he changed the way he started talking, the way he started thinking, acting, even dressed, and mm-hmm. like how he just hung out. Like the relationship completely changed because of God. So why would you want to follow a God who wants to do that to you? Okay, um, there's two ways you can answer it. Uh, the the easy way and, and the the least abrasive way to answer it is. Uh, well, it's all good, like God's got a perfect plan, you know? Uh, and, and, and we tend to say those things when we don't want conflict, uh, but we're told that the gospel is abrasive. Um, so when the question is, uh, why would I serve a God who, who wants to change me? Um, well, I would then point the picture of how he is right now and how humanity is right now. Uh, and we are all in need of change if we want to uh, not die. Um, the wages of sin is death. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Um, in our current state, regardless of how good we think we are, uh, we are in need of change uh, if we want to experience something beyond uh, eternal death. Um, and so, how I would answer him is if, 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 if someone said, Why would I serve a God who wants to change me? Uh, I would look at him and say, Why don't you want to change yourself? Uh, because I know me personally, if, if, if I knew that the wages of my actions would be death, I would do everything I could uh, to try and run from that. Uh, now, sin grips us so hard that it's like, now nah, you really don't need to run. You probably don't need to believe that. Uh, but the ultimate reality is our sin separates us from God. Uh, and without change, we will always be separated from God. Uh, now, swallowing that pill is not an easy pill to swallow, especially because our sin nature likes to regurgitate that pill. Uh, and so I'm sure the next two questions you have after that uh, would expound upon this concept of we are in need of change. Um, and so for the world to uh, understand that concept of being in need of change, uh, we really, like I said, it's a, it's a big, big uh, conflict. Yeah. Well, it doesn't do a very good job answering, uh, but it's... Both make a hand symbols at me. Okay, okay. Oh, you were telling me I have seven minutes. Yeah, okay. So, when we look at the next question, I'm sure it will build upon itself. But, uh, Sid, I'm going to come to you just a second. I told Ben I'd go to back to him. Ben, what was your next question? Um, so, I have a friend that lost his 
Okay. Yeah, okay, okay. So how do we deal with pain and suffering and how do we share the love of God with someone who has experienced much grief? I think it's the question there. Uh, this, this individual has lost her father and a boyfriend. Um, and so um, I would recommend this to all of you. Um, and so this is just like the bonus segue. Um, there's a book by an author. He's also a pastor of a large church in New York. Uh, his name is Timothy Keller. Okay, uh, If you've never heard of Timothy Keller, Tim Keller, uh, he's a phenomenal author. Uh, he's a phenomenal man of God. Uh, and he writes a book uh, called Dealing with Pain and Suffering. And it's actually a book I'm going to talk about purchasing. Uh, and I'm going to go through because here's the thing. Uh, if you haven't already experienced pain and suffering, you're guaranteed you're going to. So uh, he points out in there that there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of just good ways of approaching things. Uh, how would I approach uh, this person? Well, first and foremost, uh, it's never a problem uh, to just name sorry to someone. Um, sometimes Christians say the right things to people at the completely wrong time. They mean well, their heart is well. But sometimes it's just not what someone who's hurting uh, wants to hear or really needs to hear. Uh, so let's so to the person who just lost their child. Um, good Christian goes in and fights. So sorry. God's sovereign. Uh, he's going to work it out. Uh, he's got a plan. Okay. It's a true statement. You keep saying it's a wrong time. Terrible timing. Terrible timing. Person just lost the child. They're like, uh, "That's great, like cool." I can't see his plan, uh, and now I want to punch you in the face because you just brightened my day. I mean, uh, it. I I would encourage uh, whenever you're dealing with someone who's uh, going through pain and suffering, uh, just love them. You don't have to have the theologically correct thing to say. Uh, just be there for them. Uh, that's what Jesus did. Jesus was there for people. Jesus loved people. Um, cry with them. It's totally okay to cry. Uh, all the ladies are like, yeah, I cry all the time. I eat ice cream too. Um, but but guys, uh, we don't like to cry. That's what we're told we're not allowed to cry because it's not manly. No, cry. I'm, I'm, crying is totally okay. Uh, Jesus cried. We have the source verse of the Bible. Jesus wept. Boom. Example. Cry. It's totally okay to cry. When Jesus lost Lazarus, okay, uh, Jesus could have saved Lazarus. Okay, Jesus could have saved Lazarus. Uh, and and uh, he didn't in the way man would have wanted him to. Uh, and Jesus, his his heart hurt that he lost uh, one of his best friends. And uh, it says Jesus wept. Uh, and so pain and suffering. How do we approach it? Uh, yeah, there's a time for weeping, uh, but then there's also a time for Lazarus to come forth. There's going to be life out of this as well. Um, and so how would I deal with someone who's lost uh, a father uh, or a boyfriend? Um, well, we're told in the scripture that God is the, the father to the fatherless. Um, how to approach that, how to share that, um, I would say be in tune with the spirit uh, and, and, and really pray. Uh, you don't want to say the right thing at the wrong time because uh, that closes the door. 
so uh, carefully talk about these things. If their thing is, um, well, I, I didn't have a dad, so I act this way. Uh, Jesus um, uh, told us that we can come to the Father through him. And so, in faith in Jesus, um, God the Father, he, he mends those wounds, uh, he heals those, those scars, and uh, how, how we approach that, uh, it's going to be a case-to-case basis. Uh, there's not one right answer. So I mean I don't know the person, so I don't know I don't know how I would approach it, um, and and yeah yeah I mean it it, it takes time uh, and it's case to case, um, and, and and you all are going to come across people and, and you yourself will probably be someone at a specific time uh, who will experience pain and suffering. Um, I know this to be true 100. Uh, percent If you've experienced pain and suffering, you're in a lot better place to minister to those who experience pain and suffering. Uh, does, does that mean seek out pain and suffering? Probably not. Uh, but when it happens, um, know, know this. And since, uh, I mean, I don't know if any of you are going through a, a traumatic time right now, but, but know this, that when that time comes, uh, God does have a plan. And he's working things out. Um, and God wants to use that uh, to grow us. Um, that it's not what we want to hear when we're going through it. Uh, but when we use hindsight, when we're like, yeah, God did do something through that, and God did use that, and then we're able to be more tactical when we approach people. But I would encourage you guys all, uh, if you get a chance, get the e-version of that book, uh, or, or, or get, get a hardback, paperback, however you want to do it, but read it. Uh, I know I'm going to start reading it because I want to be better prepared uh, to deal with people who are facing pain and suffering. Sydney, then Ryan, then Ben. Does anyone else have a question? It's, it, it, it's 8.30 now. Technically, we're done. Last week, we went long. Um, it, if you want to stay, you can stay. We'll, I'm going to go for 15 more minutes at max, uh, and then we'll go and we'll fellowship and whatnot. But you got to go, like right now. you got work or school in the morning. Feel free. We're not going to judge you as you walk out, but just know we will judge you. Uh, so, Sydney, what was your question? Um, so, I know that God doesn't take Right. Okay. Okay. So, so, so the question is, when I face uh, anxiety or fear, uh, am I sinning? Uh, and I'm going to say no. Um, do I have like 13 scriptures to back that up? Uh, not off the top of my head, um, but I I can find some for sure. Um, but but know this, uh, Elijah, um, amazing man of God. Amazing man of God did extreme miracles. Uh, he faced depression and anxiety. Um, and uh, what? Yeah, he, I mean, he wouldn't hid because he thought. I mean, he had some crazy fears. He said, "I am the only man of God left, and they're going to cut my head off." Uh, well, he wasn't the only man of God. His his mind was uh, running wild, um, and he was facing much anxiety. Uh, and what did God do when he was facing his anxiety? Anxiety. The reason why I would say it is not sin uh, is because God deals with sin violently. Uh, God did not deal with Elijah in his depression, in his anxiety, 
violently. Um, what did he do? He sent an angel to feed him, uh, give him water, and uh, met him where he's at, uh, and walked alongside him through this. But there came a time where he said, all right, it's time to pull yourself up. Uh, you're not alone. I have this remnant of men, and uh, we're going to do some amazing things. And so uh, to those who face depression, to those who face fear, I do not think depression uh, is a sin. In a lot of cases, um, there's psychological things that take place on a neurological level. I don't fully understand it. I'm not a psychiatrist or a psychologist or any of those things. But, um, but what I do know is, is that uh, all sickness, all um, pain, all sorrow is a result of the fall. So it's not sin, but it is a result of sin. Uh, and the only way for that to be redeemed is through Jesus. Um, but even Jesus himself, Jesus, the fully man side of Jesus, faced depression and anxiety. I mean, I'm going to ask anyone... By a show of hands, how many of you guys have ever dealt with anxiety or depression before? Bada boom. Okay, every single hand. Uh, and, and there's a lot of different levels of it. But I'm going to ask you a very, for everyone who raised their hand, how many of you guys have been so depressed and so anguished and have had so much anxiety that you sweat blood? I sweated. Well, you didn't sweat blood. blood. Here's the thing, Jesus sweat blood because of his anxiety. Jesus had anxiety, but Jesus didn't sin. So, but what did he do? He said, Father, I need your help. And the Father powered him. And so, to, to, to the question, uh, is anxiety, is fear, uh, sin? God hasn't given me a spirit of fear. Uh, no, he hasn't, but we, we're still people. We, I mean, it, it's ingrained in our DNA. Um, and so, what I would encourage is when you start getting in those moments, turn to God and say, God, I can't do it. And sometimes God's going to be like, all right, hey, we're just going to walk through this. It's going to be a time. It's going to be a season. Other times God's going to be like, hey, let's go. And he's going to pull you right out of it. But other times uh, God uses that to mold us and to strengthen us. Because here's the thing. When Elijah was going through all that, uh, yeah, his life sucked. Um, but on the next side of it, uh, he, he did amazing miracles as a result of the time that he was being built up in his time when he thought he, thought he was being torn down. You look at Job. Job, Job lost everything. Uh, went through a very terrible depression. Uh, and, and yeah, the anxiety was crazy. Uh, but he never rejected God throughout it. And God pulled him through and did so much more on the other side. So uh, to the person who faces anxiety because of an a upcoming final, to the person who faces legitimate anxiety and depression that, that, that someone has said uh, this is clinical and here's a prescription uh, I would say across the board uh, God's the only one who, who brings uh, the ultimate comfort um, but uh, he, he uses his people as well and so when those times come uh, turn to God so I, uh, John had a comment I think he was going to make as yeah, well I was just going to give you two verses and I don't know where Thank you.
Peter 5.7, and I'm not necessarily sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I think it's Philippians. Is it Philippians 4.6? It sounds like it should be in Philippians 4. I, I, it's not 7 and 8, but yeah, it could be 6. Uh, awesome. Sarah. Another verse, God doesn't see what he can handle. I'm not sure which one, where yeah. that one is. Right, 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 right. Yeah, and, uh, and so, so very good. Very, very good information and advice. Um, okay, Ryan, then Ben. Then Ben. <coughs> So Ryan, next question this gentleman has asked you. So, uh, next one was he his he's willing to track and it's told with someone the story about how he met this lady out there who had her Bible with her. She it was she was an older lady. She was sitting in, in at the bench and he sat down to talk with her and he said that uh, and he just thought they're just having a normal conversation, but uh, this lady could not have could not really give him any answers about this regular topics without the without using scripture or Bible in general. Like it always point back to the Bible. And he's like, Well why would I want to follow a God who controls basically the way I think? Like changes the way I am so much in my mind that I can no longer like everything points to the Bible and him. Why would I want that? Am I even myself anymore if I'm to do follow him? Um so what I would kinda of ask two questions there. Uh, why would I follow someone who uh, who everything points back to him? Um, on the simple side of that, uh, I'd ask him, well, do you have any role models or do you have any like icons that you follow? Like, uh, do you follow like do you think Michael Jordan's legit? Uh, and they're like, yeah. And I'm like, well, he, it points back to himself. Um, so that's that's the simple answer there. But the next question you said is, uh, am I still myself or has he just controlled my mind? Um, yeah, we are still ourselves. Um, and, and how to explain that to him? Um, I mean, there's a lot of different ways to explain that to him. Uh, when it comes to uh, the mind being transformed, why would I want someone who would transform my mind? Uh, well, if we realize how our mind is uh, without him, um, and we realize we're in need of a transformation, uh, and it, that transformation doesn't come with a brainwash, which is probably what he thinks. Um, we're told that we are being transformed by the renewing of our mind. Uh, the Book of Romans talks all about it, uh, and, and 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 we are uh, our mind is being renewed, um, and uh, we start to think differently. Um, does that mean he's controlling us? No, because you could just say, "All right, like no, I don't want this." Um, but the more you or the more this person learns about Christ and uh, the more they seek after Christ, they're going to realize uh, their desires change, which goes back to the first question. Um, but I think all, all the questions this person has asked you, uh, they all come from one blatant root, uh, and it's an absolute, uh, uh, it's an absolute uh, lack or want thereof of accountability. Uh, this person doesn't want to be accountable to anything. Uh, they want to be free. They want to be laissez-faire. They want to be able to do whatever they want. Um, but here's the here, here's just the reality of life. We are accountable to something. Uh, yeah, no matter what, we are accountable to something. Whether you think it's the government, your parents, uh, or your God, uh, we are accountable to something. 
And when it comes to the accountability of my eternal security, um, I look at the two and I weigh the two options. There's only two options. Uh, an eternity with an all-loving God or an eternity in complete torment and torture. Um, well, I don't want to be tormented and tortured, so I have to look at the other side. And what does that mean? Well, it means I have to be accountable that the way I'm going to live is going to change. Uh, where I think I might be having more fun now, um, it's actually funner on the other side. Uh, and maybe it's not going to seem fun to your friends, uh, but tell that it's going to sound terrible. Uh, but when the rich man was in hell, he looked over and he saw Lazarus just chilling in paradise. Um, it may not seem fun on earth. I would argue that it is fun, because I'm having way more fun than any of my friends who are doing who knows what. Uh, but if, if you still think it's boring, uh, when you get to the other side of it, uh, I guarantee your friends who go to hell are going to be looking and be like, wow, I should probably have made a decision on earth because they're having way more fun up where it's flowing gold. Uh, and so uh, I know that's not easy. And I mean, it all boils down to the fact, I mean, it, all the answers to all these questions, uh, it, it boils down to the fact that uh, the gospel is completely countercultural. It's completely counterintuitive to the way our brains were even wired to think. There's a reason why Peter says we are a peculiar people. Uh, the world is not doing crazy things. Being sinful is not weird. Being sinful is 100% normal. We as Christians so often we sit up on our high chairs and we look down and be like, those people are so weird. Why do they sin? Why do they do that weird sin? Sin is not weird. Sin is 100% natural, normal, uh, the way things are. Um, get ready to get like offended. Uh, you're the crazy one. Uh, you're the like ridiculous one. If you've put your faith in Jesus, uh, you're a weirdo. We're crazy. We are, but not crazy as in like the yeah, this is awesome crazy. We're like crazy in like you're a lunatic. <laughs> if you put your faith in Jesus, you are a lunatic from the world's perspective. And it's awesome to be a lunatic. It's crazy to be crazy. Um, and the reason why it's so crazy to the world is because they're so ingrained with this sin. It's a part of who we are that uh, it's peculiar to them. It's a stumbling block to them that there is this Jesus, that there is a way for us to have salvation. And all this crazy stuff, uh, the fact that all peoples from all nations, of all tribes, of all tongues, of every creed, of every race, whatever, can come together with one common goal, and that's Jesus Christ, and one common faith, that's Jesus Christ. Uh, that's crazy. We can't even get our Congress to think the same way, let alone people from Nairobi to people from Tenochtitlan, Mexico. Like, they think the same way, because they have one faith, and that's Jesus Christ. And so, yeah, we're the crazy ones. So, the answers that we're going to get here, they're going to sound crazy to people. Uh, and so that's why you don't save anyone. Ryan, you're not going to save your friend at school or at work. Brandon, you're not going to say that person you see on the bus. Uh, here's the thing the Holy Spirit does. But he uses us and he points us in the right direction to say the right thing here and there. Uh, but we're not going to do any of the saving. If we were the ones who do the saving, uh, we'd be like Peter, out on the boat, fishing, 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 and not catching anything. 
But when he listened to God and said, and God said, hey, do this, he did, and he caught a bunch of fish. That's why we're told in 1 Corinthians that it's not me who reaps the harvest. It's not Apollos, it's not Cephas, it's not Paul. They plant the seeds. You will plant seeds. Maybe you don't plant the seeds, but you're going to water a seed. Maybe you're going to dust a little dust off the leaves so they can photosynthesize. Um, But in the end, the harvest belongs to God. Uh, And he's the one who does the saving. Uh, So in all these things, I mean, you're going to answer someone with Scripture, with truth, and they're going to be like, dude, you're an idiot. Uh, Well, I mean, that can be disheartening. But know this, don't be disheartened. Because Christ conquered the world. That's what he says. He says, don't, don't be low in heart because I've, conquered, I've overcome the world. And so uh, he's going to leave people unto himself. That's what he promises. He wishes that none would perish. Uh, is God a failure at what he does? No. Uh, so we we got to believe that he is drawing people unto himself. Now people make the cognitive decision if they're going to follow or not. Uh, but he's leading them. And, 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 and so we got to believe that he's doing a work. That's what we're told in Scripture. So, that's probably not the greatest answer, but that's the answer. So, then, last question. Last question. Okay, so um, we're talking about zodiac right here. Okay. Do you believe that the personality traits have to do with no. the personality? No. No. Uh, we're all created in the image of God, not created in the, in, in, in the well, personality of a star. Well, obviously not an image of that, but do you think God used that? No, I don't. Yeah, so the question was, are, 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 are our characteristics related to our zodiac symbol? No, because all that stuff is, is uh, post-Christ. All that stuff is post-even uh, like intellectual thinking. It's, it, it all comes from uh, occultic, uh, occultic practice. Now, do you maybe have some of those characteristics? Uh, yeah, but you probably don't have all of them, and you probably have others that are part of it. I mean, we're all... Yeah, we're all created uh, individually, and we're all unique. Uh, so, so to think that, well, since I was born in December, I, I, I'm going to fit all these qualities. Uh, maybe I do, but it's not like a written in stone thing. Uh, so, yeah, it's not a reality. Uh, and, and, and so it's, uh, it's 100% conjecture. It's 100%, uh, in my opinion, the way the Zodiac is today. And like, if you look in the newspaper and like, if you're a Sagittarius, this, 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 this is your lucky number. Uh, that's 100% demonic. And so, if you even care about what you yours is, uh, I would say stop caring. Uh, and I would warn you, you're dabbling with demonic activity. And so, cut it out. Just, just. Well, I, I mean, if you dabble in it, there are very real demons. There's a very real. Uh, supernatural realm and, and the things involved. That, that's why I threw a disclaimer out that this in no way endorses any zodiac or occultic practice because uh, yeah that, that stuff is 100% demonic and uh, I hope it scares people uh, I mean I talked to, to the kids in the youth group they're like yeah like Ouija boards I'm like you're an idiot because <laughs> um, that's just a doorway to demonic activity uh, and if, 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 if we're not wise with what we put in front of our eyes, put it in front of our ears, uh, that we do with these hands, that's why there's that song they sing uh, Sunday school, be careful little hands what you do, be careful little eyes what you see, be careful little mouth what you say, ears what you hear, because your father up above is looking down above, so be careful little blah, 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 what you do. Uh, 
it's, it's very important that we do be careful because we, unbeknownst to ourselves, could open up doors of demonic activity where though we put our faith in Jesus, we can't be possessed. We can just open ourselves up to uber oppression. Uh, sin then begins to creep in even more. It becomes easier to do. And we, fought, and, and, and we can walk down a path that we never intended on just because we were joking around with a computer I mean, uh, uh, a newspaper thing right next to the crossword that says this is your lucky number. Uh, so I just want to encourage you guys, uh, don't mess around with that crap. I mean, that's what it is. I mean, if you take away from this tonight that, oh, Zodiac, cool, um, I, I failed you, uh, and uh, no, it's not cool, uh, it's, it's utterly demonic. And so, um, and that's the way the enemy works. He perverts what started as good and turns it into evil. And we looked at we looked at how every religion has been started. Uh, some of it was probably good. Turned it into evil because man allowed Satan to warp it. Even God's promises, Satan warps methamphetamine of the world. So be be wise concerning the way the enemy works. Be wise of the wiles of the enemy. Amen? Yeah. Amen. I'm going to pray, and we're going to close, because uh, it is almost 9 o'clock, uh, which that's absurd. Uh, so, dear God, we just thank you so much for who you are, for your word. God, we thank you that uh, since the beginning of time, you've been making yourself known to your creation. Uh, God, uh, whether this whole star thing is a reality or if it's uh, just conjecture and uh, coincidence, uh, God, uh, you're perfect. Uh, and you've been making yourself known. And so, uh, God, I thank you that you've made yourself known to me. Uh, God, I thank you that you saved me uh, and that I can have a, a hope and a future with you. God, I thank you for everyone here who's put their faith in you. God, and maybe there's someone here who hasn't put their faith in you. I thank you for them, too. I, I thank you that we can come as we are. God, you meet us where we are. Uh, God, I pray for each of us that we would continue to grow in our faith, and as we continue to seek you out, you would continue to make yourself known to us and, and, and reveal truth to us. So God, we thank you and we praise you in your son's wonderful and beautiful name, Jesus Christ, and all God's people said, Amen. <laughs>